Welcome to uh, the Rock Church online this morning as we stream um, our resurrection service. Uh, my name is Tri. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new and you're just tuning in with us, maybe for the first time or maybe just uh, you have been here lately, we want to just say welcome. We're really grateful that you're here this morning, that you've uh, made allowance in your day to, to share and to come and to worship with us. So uh, we hope that you are blessed this very day. Uh, what a different Easter uh, than any of us anticipated. What, what a different um, experience we're having this morning, uh, both with weather and uh, just our circumstance, uh, the circumstance of the world. We never would have guessed that, that Easter morning this morning would look like uh, a lot of empty chairs out there. Um, we, we, we never guessed uh, probably or thought about having six inches of snow and stuff like that. But nonetheless, this is our reality and, and, and changes absolutely nothing about the reality of this historic day, about the magnitude of this day. So this morning's uh, sermon is the between, and that's exactly where we're at. We're, we're in this spot where, where life has changed for us, but at the same time, while it's changed and we understand that there's been an event in, in our world that is going to leave us changed, um, it's, it's going to have implications in, in our lives and, and how our lives uh, play out from here, um, we don't yet really uh, understand or know what those things exactly look like at this time. We, we're, we're living in a real tension right now of, 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 of life. And, and we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're walled off from one another. Our, we're, we're doing social distancing. We're, we're staying apart from one another. And that's really causing some real struggles um, in our day. Maybe it's not so different from the first Easter um, and how that was experienced by the disciples. They, they came to understand in their world and in their life that there had been a, an event that had changed the, the entirety of their world. And, and, and then they were hearing on this morning about a new event, an, an event that would further change their world, but they didn't know yet exactly what that would look like. Uh, they, they were struggling to try to wrap their heads around the reality of, what, of where they were living. Obviously, they weren't practicing social distancing uh, like we were, but they were huddled in their homes, fearful for their futures and wondering what tomorrow was going to look like or bring. Um, they had just lost their leader. Um, everything about their, their life and their world had drifted into a place of uncertainty. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel alone. I would say that looks like probably all of us extroverts uh, right there. Um, if you're an extrovert, this probably looks much like how you're feeling right now. Or maybe you're overwhelmed by the situations or the circumstances of the world around us. Maybe when we look around, all we see is the wind and the waves. And, you know, we, we, we're seeing that, that, man, how could this be going this way? How could things be looking like this? And how do we have hope in the midst of this? Um, when we, we so much are a people who try to hold on to the reality of the physical realm that we live in. God is trying to get us to let go of that. He's trying to, to teach us to, to understand that his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. But what we are called to do is to continue to trust and to believe. Sometimes we sit on this deal, on this precipice, on this rock, just surrounded by nothing. We've, we're like, man, I don't know. I'm about to just jump in and swim for it. I don't know what to do. 
But I just want to encourage us this morning that God does know, that God does have a plan in the midst of it, that God is at work and he's good and he's doing good things in the midst of this. You see, he is not here. He is not in the grave. He is risen. Matthew 28 deals with that. And as well as the end of, of John, uh, we, we see this scene where, where Mary shows up at the grave. And what she's holding on to is, is Jesus and, and his physical reality. And, and she's, she sees somebody and she thinks it's a gardener and she's like, look, where have you put him? What, what have you done with, with my Lord? Just tell me where the body is so that I can finish my work. I just wanna put the spices on his body. I just wanna honor him. I just wanna, I wanna take care of him. I, I just gotta hold, I've gotta do this thing. And, and the, the person she thinks is the gardener says, Mary, it's me. And, and her eyes are open to the reality that, that this is Jesus. And he's, he's telling her, he says, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me right here. Don't, just, just understand that I'm trying to teach you something bigger. I'm trying to move you into a bigger reality. Actually, I'm trying to move you and to have you begin to understand what ultimate reality really looks like. You see, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of, of how we look around and we say, is this going the way that God would have it to go? We have to understand that this day didn't surprise God. It didn't catch him off guard. He, he's not wondering what he's gonna do or how he's gonna operate in the midst of this. He is at work and he's faithful and he's doing what he does. He is working the good. So when we see the good that's happening in the world around us, we gotta know and understand that that is God working in the midst of it. And the reality of this historic event that changed everything about the world, it changed everything about it for unbelievers and believers. You see, it's an event that just is. It is in history, right? And, and because Jesus died on the cross, we can understand that the payment was made for sin. But on Resurrection Sunday, we understand that that check cleared, that he left the grave never to return. He is victorious over death. I wanna look into a couple of things here. Jesus in his lifetime, he, he, he brought a few people back from death. And, and one story is this story that we're gonna look at right now. It's in Luke chapter seven. It's in verses 11 through 17. So if you wanna look at that with me, you wanna open your Bible, I just welcome you to. Um, and it says this, it says, soon afterwards he went to a city called Nain and his disciples were going down with him accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow and, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. And he said to her, do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all and they began glorifying God saying, a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out, of, out over all of Judea and in all of the surrounding district. What we see here in this picture is that we see Jesus as God and not a God who's unconcerned. You see, the reality of most of the, the belief systems back in the day, the Roman pantheon that was all around them, uh, the different mystery religions, the, the, the Greek belief systems, the, these different systems of belief, 
were never about a God that had any compassion. They were never about a God who cared. As a matter of fact, the gods and the goddesses of of these pantheons just used human beings to their end. They just used them and abused them. And the idea of care and concern was really not part of their character and nature. We see a dramatic shift in this idea with Jesus, and we see that, that, that this widow, she represents somebody who is alone, somebody who is not cared for. In a culture where, where men basically kind of were, were, were how a woman uh, had security, um, she was left with nothing. She was left a widow and now without her son. And we see that Jesus is moved enough to bring her son back to life for, for, uh, for her and he restores this thing, and it's such a blessing. It's such a, an amazing thing to see that God has the power to do this, and this is what Jesus is demonstrating. He goes on a little while later in, chap- in Mark uh, chapter 5, verses 35 to 42, and we see a new story developing. This is about a guy who comes to him and says, look, my daughter is dying. You got to come. The amazing thing about this story is that Jesus is returning from the other side of the sea where he went for one person. He told his disciples, he left the crowds, and he went to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee for one person. That person was called a demoniac, and, or demoniac, and he was, he, he was just uh, eat up with it. And Jesus said, look, we're going over there, and we're going for that one guy. And Jesus is now has went, and he's restored that guy back to health, and he's coming back, and as he's coming back, this guy Jairus meets him. And the story says this. It says, while he was still speaking, uh, they came from the house of the synagogue, and the official saying, your daughter has died. Now, now in this, as, as we bring, we're, we're coming a little bit later into this thing, and what's happened is that, is that Jairus meets Jesus right on the, on the shore, and he says, look, you got to come. My daughter is dying. And so Jesus is like, okay, let's go. And he starts uh, the, the journey to Jairus' house. And when they get partway there, this lady sneaks up behind Jesus and touches his robe. And Jesus stops, and he says, whoa, wait a minute. Power has left me. What's going on? Can you imagine what's going on in Jairus' mind? Can you imagine just the, the turmoil that's happening? His daughter is dying, and now Jesus has just stopped to help this lady. And so basically it goes on and it says that Jesus spoke for a long time, and that's where we come in here. And it, the, now the news comes to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official and, 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 and he saw a, a commotion of people loudly weeping and wailing and entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he looked, or he, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was, was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means little girl, I tell you to get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. And so Jesus restores this little girl back to life, and he gives it back to Jairus. He he gives her life, and he gives her back to her father. And the problem with this is, 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 is nothing in the physical realm. But the problem with it, and what Jesus came to do, is so much more than this, because this isn't enough. 
You see, it's not enough. We, we spend our time wanting everything in our physical realm to be okay. We, we want the world around us to be okay. We want our world to be okay. And we really want God to just run around making sure that Tri's world is okay and that, and that struggle and trouble isn't coming my way. But that's not enough. You see, if Jesus resurrected these people back into physical life, that's an awesome thing. It's a, it's a picture of, of his authority. It's a picture that he is God, that, that he holds all power. But it's not enough if they're going to die again. And you see, the story that we're looking at and the resurrection and what Jesus is trying to teach everyone in the midst of this is so much greater than this. You see, it goes on to talk about uh, a guy named Lazarus who's a friend of Jesus's. And, and what happens is that Jesus is told while he's in a, a, a town away that basically his friend Lazarus is sick and dying. And it says that he loved those guys, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and so he stayed. He didn't go when he was, when he was called. And, and, and Jesus said to, uh, he, he, he waited. And what happened was that his friend died. And he didn't just wait until his friend died. He didn't go back to that place until four days later. And for the Jewish people, they believed that the, that the soul would hang around the, the, the body after it had departed the body, that it would hang around for about three days. But on that fourth day, it would leave and it would depart. And, and this is a picture of that it's just, it's too late. Everybody believes that it's too late, that it's gone too far. Even his sisters understand and just say, look, it's, it's gone too far. But Jesus said to her in verse 40, 25, he, he comes and, and it says that he's moved with emotion. He's not unconcerned. It says that he cried, he wept. He, he entered into their struggle and into their suffering and he felt the pain that they were feeling. And in verse 25, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. You see, Jesus is, is trying to get them to understand and see that I haven't just come to, to make the physical realm okay. I haven't just come so that your temporary life here is gonna be okay. What I've come for is to eternally tie myself to you, to, to be faithful to you for all eternity, to, to translate you out of this realm, this temporal place, into a place that's eternal into a place where everything that we really want, all of these things that we so desire will actually be ours. You see, we struggle with this. We struggle with injustice. We struggle with sickness. We struggle with death because we weren't made for these things. We were made for a relationship with God. We were made for heaven. And you see, this resurrection, this proof that this check cleared is this idea where, where God is beginning to say to us and pull us and say, look, there's more. There's more to this world. And regardless of what's going on in this world, if you just feel like you're on a rock and, and all there is is just ocean around you, that you're gonna die here, that, 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 that things aren't, he's, gonna, he's just telling us, he's saying, this isn't all. This isn't all. There's a greater thing. There's, there's more to this picture than what you're understanding. In Luke 20, verse 35 and 36, it's a, it's a thing where Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and he's trying to explain this very thing to them. And, and they've asked him a question about marriage. And if, if the husband of this wife died and then her brother took him on and then, then he died and then the other brother took her on, who, whose wife is this gonna be in the end when we go to heaven? And he said this, he said, but those 
who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore because they are like the angel and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. You see, Jesus is, is teaching and he's saying, look, there's, there's more to this. If I just came for the temporal, if I just came for your physical life, if I just came for your circumstances, that wouldn't be enough. What we really need to know and to understand is that we too have resurrection power because of what Jesus has done. Because he rose from the grave, we too also as his followers have that hope within us. You see, 1 Corinthians 15, 19 reminds us that if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, then we of all men are most to be pitied. In other words, if, if, if we have only had a hope in Jesus for the world around us today, for our physical, just for this short time that we are actually um, are gonna live on this planet, and we have adjusted our lives and we've began to, to live like, uh, like there's more, if we've began to, to, to live in the way that Jesus is calling us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to, to consider others as more important than ourselves, to, to, to live in a way in which we express the love of Jesus when we, and, and, and we live in a giving and loving way. And if, and if this is all there is and we live that way, that's a pity. That, that's just a waste. What it's saying is like, if that's all there is, then what you should do is you should just go out and get all you can. Get everything you can. If this world is all there is, then what you should really spend your life doing is satisfying your flesh in this world until it's all over and it goes dark and then that's it. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says there's hope. Jesus says there's, there's, there's a way of living. There's, there's purpose to living that is eternal. There's a way that we can live through the physical and into the ultimate reality that God wants to deliver us into. It's the way that the Old Testament saints even looked at their lives in Hebrews when it talks about the hall of faith. And we, we look back and we see these characters in the Bible who are, who are giving honor in the book of Hebrews because of the lives of faith that they lived out. It says this, it says, indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. You see, if it's just about the world around us, if we make life just about the here and now, then we'll be tempted to just live for the here and now. And we'll miss the most important thing. We'll miss the high calling. We'll miss what God is calling us to. We'll miss the idea that we can live today for eternal purposes. That the life that we are living today has a higher calling. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about this. And he, he talks about what it's going to look like and, and, and what God is teaching us in this idea of resurrection. And it says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, 
so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have been born in the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. You see, it's, it's telling us that we've, we've come into this world in one condition, but the plan is to leave in another. It's, it says really basically that we were born into an earthly body. And the, the reality of what the gospel is is that we were born separated from God. We were born, we were born separated because of sin. And the decisions that we've made in our lives, the things that we have done, have caused a rift in our relationship to God. But Jesus came that that rift might be made right. First Peter 3.18 says that, he came, uh, that Christ died once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You see, that he might deliver us into a place of ultimate reality. And so we're just in this between sometimes where we live today in the physical but we look to the eternal. And, and the motivation for the, for the physical life that we're living in today is meant to be the eternal calling. We're supposed to understand that, that, that we're supposed to, our, our natural self is supposed to be subservient to our spiritual self. That our earthly body is subservient to a spiritual reality that has come because we've been reconciled through the cross. And once we've been reconciled through the cross, then we have the Holy Spirit that abides in us that begins to teach us and grow us, that gives us purpose in this life, that gives us a reason to live that's beyond the here and now. Paul goes on to say, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we will not, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last, when the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable thing must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Romans 6, 9 says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer has mastery over him. And that's the hope. You know, the, the hope that God is leading us to isn't the hope of this world. As a matter of fact, I think that what God is trying to teach us here is that the hope of this world is not reliable, that it's not secure, that, that we really need to adjust our priorities. We need to understand the spiritual reality of the world around us, that yeah, we live in the here and now and we live in these earthly bodies, but we are spiritual beings. We're, we're meant for more. We're created for more. We're created for our relationship with our creator. And then we're created to be at work here in the midst of this world. Paul summed it up when he said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, Paul got it. He understood. He knew that, that, that as long as we're alive, 
that there's purpose for why we're alive. There's, there's a reason for why God has us here. There's a reason for why God has allowed some of the things that he's allowed in the world today. But you see, the world is, the, 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 the believer is, is not supposed to pull away from the world. We're not supposed to not be um, a part of the world. As a matter of fact, this church isn't empty today. It's deployed. The church is deployed. God is interwoven his believers, his people into the world around us. And, and you have unique influence and you have unique relationships and you have unique opportunities that God wants you to be a part of. I really hope and pray that one thing that comes about from this is that we understand the church on a grander level than what we've maybe understood it here. Sometimes I think that we have seen the church as a place, as a service, as a message, as a building, when in reality the church is none of those things. The church is God's people, and the church is, is active and it's happening wherever God's people are. And when two of those people gather together, it says that, that, that corporately that, that, that God is, is with us, that, that Jesus is in our very presence at that time, empowering us to do the things that he's called us to do. So is this world unimportant? No, it's incredibly important. Our witness is very important. The life that you and I live today is very important because we have the opportunity to join God in what he's doing. We have the opportunity to say, to live is Christ. The purpose for my life is for his life because he gave himself and he gave all for me. The next most reasonable, logical thing for me to do is to give my all back to him understanding and knowing that this isn't all of it. While this is an important aspect of, of the life that we've been created to live, it's not the one we'll live forever. And the day that we pass out of this world, the real promises of God, the ultimate promises of God will be our reality. The, the, the struggle, the tension that we live in will be gone. Sin will be lifted from us. Uh, our, our, our desire for justice and mercy and, and our hatred for sickness and death and all of those things will be eradicated. The Bible says that one day Jesus is gonna wipe every tear away, that he's gonna, some, he's gonna make everything right. But in the world around us today, we've gotta recognize and know, just like those disciples had to figure out that it doesn't always go the way we think it's gonna go. That they sat there and they said, how, how could it be this way? He's dead, he's gone, and we're without hope that they cling, were clinging to the physical when Jesus was pulling them into the eternal. And he was saying, there's more to this game. There's more to this game than what you see. And I'm at work. I'm weaving a tapestry. When you look at it, you see the backside, and it looks like a big mess. But when we turn it around, it's a beautiful picture. So God is calling us not to understand everything that's going on, but he is calling us to trust him and to trust him in a deeper place. So it's my hope, church, that we'll do that that you will be the church, that you will look for every opportunity to be Christ in the world around you as you do this, as you go out today and, and, and in the coming days, and we begin to live and interact in a world that maybe is incredibly fearful because it has no hope, that you'll be quick to share the hope that lives in you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, that you, um, you've been here for us, that you... Uh, have given us life, that your resurrection shows us that you stand ready to carry us 
into the next stage of reality, that you, you have plans and purposes, that death hasn't won, that death will not win, that there is no sting of death because you're victorious over death on our behalf, that you, you've demonstrated and showed us, you've, you've led the way, where we've said, we don't know the way, Lord, you tell us you are the way, the truth and the life. So Lord, may we follow fast after you. May we, may we celebrate this day of Easter, this day that you came out of the grave. May we celebrate it because we can have hope that you too will deliver us, Lord, into that eternal life with you, that you'll give us everything we ever wanted and help us to understand that in the in-between here, that, Lord, we're called to live for you. We're called to, to do your bidding. We're called to be light and life and love into this world. May we be all of that, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.